Live from my living room, still on lockdown, in quarantine, COVID-19 and the pandemic continues. I hope everyone is staying safe, staying mentally healthy, physically healthy, um, doing whatever you can with you and your loved ones to try and get through these trying times. And to try and get through these times, hopefully you turn to the fix. I am your host, Ryan Rothstein. On episode three, I got a good one lined up for you. Kurt Heelan lead NBA writer and managing editor for NBCSports.com, longtime NBA beat reporter, writer. Uh, He's going to drop some knowledge and join me on this episode. Be sure to follow him on Twitter at Basketball Talk. He also has his own podcast, Talking Hoops, at Pro Basketball Talk, which is available on all platforms. We'll get into that in the episode. But first, we have to get through the, the basics here. Thank you again for tuning in, subscribing, but please make sure to leave a review, subscribe if you haven't already, Uh, give me some five-star reviews. Each and every review does go a long way, especially in the early stages of a podcast, all right? It's not easy to get this up and running and get it where it needs to be, and that only happens if you help me out. So thank you again. Enjoy episode three. And without further ado, here's Kurt Hewen. Special guest with me here tonight, um, almost 9 o'clock Eastern time, but he's hanging in there. So Kurt Hewen, lead NBA writer, managing editor at NBCSports.com. He is a frequent guest on 97.3 ESPN. You can listen to him. Uh, two to six. He's on occasionally Monday to Friday with myself and Mike Gill. Uh, you can listen to his podcast, Pro Basketball Talk. Kurt, what's going on? Uh, it's, it's going. It's, <laughs> I, look, in the grand scheme of things, I'm healthy and all, all things are pretty good. Right. I guess that's all you can ask for right now. I mean, yeah. has this situation, how can you compare this situation to anything you've seen in your career? I'm sure the answer uh, is nothing. But Yeah. Yeah, there isn't really anything that we were trying to come up with comparisons. I mean, I suppose, and I didn't cover baseball. I mean, I, I was a fan in 94, like, but I wasn't, wasn't writing professionally about, well, I wasn't writing professionally about any sport at that point. And I don't, you know, that's the closest thing I can think of where baseball kind of stopped and never had the finish to the season. And obviously that was different. That was, a, a, you know, a strike lockout situation, which right. you know, was, was di- but it did abruptly end the season and there's, you know, it was no crown champion. That's the closest thing we can think of. There's lockout shortened seasons in the NBA, but they've always crowned a champion. And this is the first time that seems to be in, in jeopardy. Yeah. It's just wild how the whole thing ended. I mean, you look back yeah. at the Utah jazz game when they were playing, I honestly forget who they were even playing that night at the time where Thund- they just thunder. I believe if I'm, if I'm remembering. Yeah, so, right. yeah. Yeah. It was in Oklahoma city. It was the thunder. So like one minute before tip off, they rush out onto the court, like everything's fine, but please escort the building immediately. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it was just wild how the whole thing went down, but here we are April 5th and there's still no sports. So you had an article up on NBCSports.com that was posted yesterday that I thought was interesting with significant amount of pessimism that the NBA yeah. will not restart the season. So if you have to guess right now, what do you think about the realistic chances that the NBA is going to be playing basketball and finishing the 1920 season? 
I'll start here. There is a real desire within the league and the league office to find a way to do this, to find a way to crown a champion. They don't like the idea of they're not, of they're just being, like I said, that 1994, just blank line champion, none type of thing. Yeah. Um, nobody wants to do that. And look, I don't even know how much it helps financially at this point. Like how much does ESPN slash TNT get made hold? Not really some, but maybe not that much on the, the back end. but that's not even the issue. They just, they want to be able to do that it's just really hard to think, look, obviously we're nowhere close to having guys jump on planes and fly around the country and play in arenas in a, in a traditional sense. And and I, you know, hopefully we see that yeah. by football season, but even then, you know, you know who knows? Um, they, they're, they've talked about, I would say the pessimism is this. They, they started really kind of latching on to the, we can bring teams to Vegas or the Bahamas or Louisville or wherever. Atlantic like, city was in that Atlantic city well. was in that mix. Exactly. We're going to create <laughs> yeah. a bubble at, um, you know, the, the, the analogy I heard from somebody who really knows is, is they use the Mandalay Bay, which is where they hold the G league showcase players stay in the hotel. And frankly, everybody stays in the hotel. Um, <laughs> Because uh, it's a week, it's like the week before Christmas. Nobody's there. Like it's the, it was weirdly quiet in Vegas. Um, but you can the their convention center has room to put up a couple of courts. They could have put up a couple of more for practices. Like you could have put this whole thing together there, right? But once boy, creating that bubble is just once you start. It's like it sounds like a great idea, right? And then we'll just televise the games, and it'll be once you start getting into the logistics of it and finding. I mean. Even if you only do the playoff teams, that's six, you know, 225 players, give or, give or take something like that, 240, plus yeah. coaches, plus equipment managers, plus training staff, plus medical staff. You're going to have to come up with, with, you know, COVID tests for all of these people to create the bubble. And then you're still like, what do you mean? the cooks aren't, you know, look, the cooks in the hotel aren't doing staying in the bubble, the, the, the room cleaning people, like it's yeah. a mess trying to do this anywhere. It's not, you know, I'm using Vegas as an example, but I don't care where you're doing it. It's really hard to create this bubble that they're talking about. And what's really led to the pessimism. And I, I you know, uh, Brian Windhorst talked about this, but I, he's not the only person to hear this. Um, <laughs> China was trying to do this in, in, a, in a much stricter yeah. environment. And they've now twice pushed back the start of their season. That's exactly what I was going to get to yeah. uh, next is China, who's on month, what, four? Yeah. Coming up on month five of all this. And their, their reasoning, Kurt, and I'm sure you're, you're going to get into this, is, listen, we don't want to start back up too soon. Like, we're yeah. disinvested. We're, we're pot committed, to use yeah. the Vegas term here. And we rush everything back or even don't think that we're rushing it back. And one official, one cook, one you know, person that cleans the rooms comes down with COVID-19 in that Vegas bubble, you got to shut it all down again. Right. And that bubble starts up again and it gets, I mean, just logistically, you've got to come up with the tests, but you've also going to have to have everybody self, including like the cameraman and everybody are going to have to quarantine themselves for a couple of weeks before they come in, then get tested. Are you bringing families in? Are you I mean, just the whole thing gets, um, or are you going to tell the players they can't be with their families? And by the way, and I wrote about this last week, you're talking, I talked to trainers from a number of teams. They're all saying, man, you got to give us three weeks. If you're going to get guys from whatever, even the guys who are in the best shape, the Le LeBron James has a LeBron James's home workout facility is nicer than the gym you pay for. Right. Like it's, 
you know, like there's a few guys out there, even the guys in the bet, and he's got a half, you know, he's got a court at his house and all, all the guys, with, of course, yeah, the guys with the <laughs> best facilities are not in game shape. And that's not getting into the guys who are, you know, second year players living in an apartment somewhere, right. That, that can't use the, you know, that are trying to do it with bands and res- some resistance material in their room. Um, it's going to take three weeks to, to get guys anywhere close to game shape and avoid injury, you know, major injuries. You know, you, as a trainer put it to me, you can't just go from zero to a hundred. When you spike activity levels, that's when injuries occur. So they're just, yep. there's just a lot of logistical challenges. And as they start to really look at this and they see how hard it's been for China, there's become a growing pessimism that they're just going to be able to pull this off and they're not better off just, ultimately pulling the pl- pulling the plug on this season is financially painful as that would be for every, you know, and jumping in and restarting next year in at some point in the fall. I don't even know, you know, would they be able to start camps in September and play in October? Like I'd like to think so, but you know, who knows? No one knows. Yeah. And that's the, I mean, we're talking with Kurt Heel and NBC sports lead NBA writer. Uh, make sure you check out his podcast, pro basketball talk. So, Kurt, we've been talking for about five minutes. We haven't said anything positive. <laughs> no, unfortunately. <laughs> and, and that, that's that's neither of, of our faults. I think that's just the reality yeah. of this situation when, you know, I'm talking every day for four hours a day, and we're, we're talking about all of this at great lengths because there's only so much to talk about. I just don't understand. We talked about, well, why don't you just push ne- next season back? You know, yeah. let's make sure there's a champion. Let's make sure we can get things somewhat back to normal. It's just, if I'm Adam Silver, if you're Adam Silver, I'm sitting there and I'm saying, it's April 5th. I mean, the last game was scheduled for April 14th-ish, depending right. on, on the team you're following. So it just, it doesn't make sense to, to, to push a next season start date back. It just seems like that d-day i guess we can call it is coming where yeah. we're going to get the announcement that the nba is not starting back up i, I think that they have, look they don't know what they're going to do next they don't have to make a decision right now but there's also there's just no decision to make because we just where are we going to be as a nation in dealing with this on june 1st like that's not a question yeah. that you or i or adam silver or dr fauci or the president or anyone <laughs> like nobody has this answer so no. it's you plan out scenarios and hope for the best. And I think that the owners by nature are optimistic about restarting. You know, Mark Cuban was at one point talking about, Hey, may, maybe we can get back on the, and he's backed off that. Um, but they're optimistic about doing something. Maybe you can do, you, you know, can you shrink the playoffs down to eight teams playing a best of three, best of five type of scenario in a bubble later this summer? Like, do we even want that, Kurt? I don't like know. That's, and that's, that's a legitimate question. And I'll tell you what, there's players who are not thrilled about that idea. Like, they, they, No. Would you be? No. I mean, and, and you, you threw out the idea of, well, and I don't disagree with you by any means. It's just I don't, there isn't a right or wrong at this point. You threw out the idea, oh, well, just if you have to, whoever's in the top eight right now yeah. or as it ended, go in. I mean, if you're battling for the nine seed, if you're, you know – Whatever the case may be, you're, there's going to be someone unhappy, and well, it just if, doesn't seem like no, you want a bunch of best of three series. No, it, it, yeah, be, look, people want to put an asterisk next to the 1999, you know, lockout shortened um, Spurs championship. Um, first off, I think the Spurs went on to prove they're all right. You know, they, 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 that wasn't really <laughs> yeah, fluky. They, like Tim Duncan, they've done okay. That Tim Duncan guy turned out to be okay. 
Um, (laughs) But beyond that, like this would have an absolute asterisk next to it. And, and in the West in particular, I mean, right now, Houston, if you just took the top four, Houston's out, Dallas out, like Oklahoma city in like, it's a, and, and Houston's a, a very dangerous playoff team. Dallas is not going to be, I mean, they're on seven seed or something. Like, I don't think they're getting past. Look, it's probably the championship would in a regular season. The championship would have been one of the two LA teams or Milwaukee 99 times out of a hundred, but you can't take the joy of that away. Like it just, to me, it's, it's like, Ooh, a best of three series. We're just doing this to do it. Is that really worth it? Is, is, is that really what you want to do? I, I, is, is that kind of truncated thing worth it? just to say, Hey, we had a champion. I am I'm, I'm with you. That's a really good question that I'm, I'm, I'm not even going to pretend to know the answer to. Right. And that's, I wasn't expecting you to, and no one knows the answer. I don't think Adam Silver no. knows the answer. And that's, that's probably the bottom line in, in yeah. this entire conversation is that there's just a massive unknown factor with all of this, but the most interesting storyline. So we were coming down the stretch of the NBA season. You bring up LA, both teams, and that storyline alone was, yeah, you know, enough to talk about for an entire month. LeBron was on a mission. He's in year what a hundred, and he's in the MVP race still. So talk about maybe your favorite storyline with maybe LA being one of them. Their versatility, I like their depth, but the Lakers took the regular season really seriously um lebron when was the last time we saw lebron play this hard on on defense like during the regular season never yeah I mean, my, <laughs> years i mean honestly it goes back to miami like it's been a yeah. long time since we've seen this kind of in-season commitment from him they built a chemistry but they also have their second best ball handlers rondo like there's weaknesses there the clippers are much deeper much more talent you know i i think that they're more versatile. They can beat you a variety of ways. I like them better on paper, but due to injuries and a lot of things that they didn't get the time together, the chemistry issues still aren't there. They're still figuring out, you know, the last game they played doc rivers left Lou Williams out there at the end of the game to see what would happen. And he got torched and you just, you know, you're not going to be able to do that. And, and okay, check that off. We can't do that in a regular playoff game. That would have been such a fascinated X's and O series. The could the buck can the bucks, were the Bucks for real? I mean, I, I think they were, but there's a certain a certain thing we do in every sport, right? You can't win it all until you've won it all, right? Mentality, right? Like, oh, I, you know, Le, LeBron was a choker, and you know, for years, oh, he couldn't, he just can't get over the hump. He he couldn't beat the cell, or he couldn't beat the the you know, these teams, and he was like, dude, he just averaged thirty nine nine and nine in the playoffs, <laughs> like he was you know, yeah. phenomenal. Oh, he's a choker. He couldn't win. We, until we win. In some people's minds, you can't. So, like, could the could Giannis and the Bucks get over that hump? Was Boston for real against them? And in the West, like sneakily, because they started so slow, nobody got it. Denver was suddenly playing really good basketball. And yes, they like, were. That was like, and and Philly was an interesting team because again, that's a team that matches up well with the Bucks. And if they if they ever got it together, if it really came together. Man, I that was the one team that could I well maybe maybe he maybe Boston we'll see they're they're playing a lot better but at the end but like could Philly have gotten it together and suddenly become the threat we expected from them all season? Mm. There was just so much stuff. The, the MVP race was fascinating because it was Giannis's to lose, but Giannis but LeBron was coming on right. And if Giannis he remember he was injured. Remember Giannis was if if Giannis had missed 
two weeks, three weeks? To, because at that point, what's the point of playing him? Like they were running away with the East. Like take your time, make sure he's right for the playoffs. But if that did that, was that going to open up a window that let LeBron win the MVP? At this point, you know, like we're starting a series at NBC Sports this week, going through our one a day, just going through all the postseason awards. And Giannis is going to win. I, I imagine he's going to get most or all of our MVP votes. Most, almost every voter I talked to, I know I think ESPN did a poll about this. I just, LeBron didn't have time to catch him. Could he have over the last month of the season? I, I really would have been interesting because LeBron, this is, I mean, he's in year 17, but it's a ridiculously good season he was having at that age. But that's not the, that's not the role. It's who had the best season, sure. uh, who, who led their team. And I, I still think Giannis was the MVP this year. And that's, you bring up an interesting point with Giannis and then the playoffs and LeBron and his early stages of his career choking in the playoffs and in the yeah. NBA finals. The Dallas Mavericks NBA finals is the one that really sticks out yeah. in everyone's minds. But when you're voting on the NBA MVP, is that not a factor at all, even if it's subconsciously a factor? Like, how do you how do you decipher between that? Because from the fans, even from the radio hosts and people that don't yeah. have votes, they say, like, we cover the Philadelphia 76ers and fair or foul. Philly people are very critical of the Sixers, but there's a lot of fans that do not believe in the Bucks for a lot of the reasons that you pointed yeah. out. And I, I think it's borderline fair to think yeah. that way. The way the Bucks play, their style of play has you asking questions. And, and, and frankly, until they win, we'll have them asking questions. A, Mike Budenholzer last year, look, when plan A, I said with the Clippers, like what makes them dangerous is their versatility, right? Like, oh, you take yeah. that away. Okay, we can't leave Lou Williams out there. Well, you know what? We've got Pat Beverly. We've got Landry Shamit. We've got like all these other options. We can, like We've got a lot of stuff we can throw at you um, and make work in different ways. The, the Bucks might, I think they have some of that, but that's Budenholzer's never been great about using it. The, the well, plan A didn't work, plan B, well, let's go to plan B. We just, that's never been his strength. Um, you know, their defensive system that gives up threes, boy, when you get down to those final four teams, final 16, you know, second round maybe, and certainly in the, the conference finals, you could pay for that. You you suddenly, yeah, that suddenly is suddenly now those guys, you know, hey, that's a great system against Charlotte, but is it a great, <laughs> yeah, is it you a look great, great against Atlanta? Exactly. <laughs> but is it a great system against, um, you know, the teams that can really actually shoot the ball from the outside? If you get up against Boston or Toronto or something like it, you might cost yourself a game in a tight series just because, hey, that's the system we play and they got hot from three. That's, a, you know, giving away games in the playoffs becomes hard. So it's, there, that would have been a really fascinating – I mean, were they – on paper, they, again, they just dominated the East during the regular season, but the playoffs change. It becomes about matchups, and it also becomes about you, – you switch from, hey, your best player is Giannis, and your second best player is, by the way, Chris Middleton and, and maybe Brooke Lopez, but let's say Chris Middleton, who's – everybody sleeps on him. Like, that's an all-NBA-level player. Chris Middleton's really good. Um, but it becomes about what's your weakness – What's who's the biggest weakness on the floor? Who's the biggest? Mm-hmm. Who's the who's the guy that you can start to pick on? I, I, okay, we can't leave Lou Williams out there, but then who are we going to replace him with? You know, the Clippers have Montrezl Harrell and, and questions there, but the Lakers would have questions. That's part of the fun of this year too. Is there wasn't a Warriors esque 
yeah, they don't really roll out a weakness type of team. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. Right. Every, yeah. every team was flawed. And so that was going to be part of the fun of it was to see who, who could best mask that in the postseason. Yeah, it's almost like the Warriors gave us a, a quick timeout from that. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. going into the year, it was it was like, how how is the NBA landscape going to be like without Steph Curry and without, yeah. um, you know, KD and just the Warriors being the Warriors? And I, I think we miss them subconsciously, but it's been nice to see the the widespread range of really anyone can win this. And I, I want to get to the Sixers with you, Kurt, because – that's the subject around here uh, in my parts. Yeah. And there's just so many question marks with this team. I mean, <sighs> let me rattle them off for you and I'll go from recent to old. Most recently there was a report that the New York Knicks and Leon Rose have interest in Elton brand. And I want to bring that up just for the big dynamic of the Sixers, because the talks before that are, you got to fire Brett Brown. He was brought in here to lose. It's time now to go. Sam Hinkie would have never kept him. He's, he doesn't hold Ben Simmons accountable. Joel Embiid hasn't really grown, even though he's an absolute monster. People would say his game hasn't expanded or IQ, fourth quarter decision-making, you know, playoff time basketball. You haven't seen that growth from Embiid. Um, and then does the fit of Embiid and Simmons work? Yeah. And, you know, does one of those players need to be traded? So all those question marks, I guess, how do you see this playing out for the Sixers in the offseason? Elton Brand's got to ask himself, do I want to work for James Dolan? I mean, whatever. I mean, whatever. Whatever. <laughs> I joked. I joked, Kurt. And I said, the fact that when that report came out, I was like, is that a sign that Elton Brand's not a good general manager that the New York yeah. Knicks even have interest in him? Like, we don't even <laughs> want this guy anymore. Um, it's and honestly, it's, it's I think it, this is a completely separate point. But like the Chicago Bulls are going through hiring a new guy and, and that's a odd dynamic there but there are certain teams where like hey if you're going to go work for that ownership group it's fair to ask questions of like how much i've got freedom up until what point you know yep. and 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 backing up until what point is, is you know like where's the organization going to be uh is a legitimate question in some of these circumstances so in brand in brand's case I, I look i don't know anybody who thinks brett brown's job was really safe at all, barring some sort of miracle playoff run. Um, yeah. And I, I don't, I know that for a long time, Philly fans have been down on him. I think that some of that was really overstated. I think Brett Brown's a really good coach, but there comes a point where his voice isn't working or something to look. It's not working in that locker room. I maybe, I don't, maybe you could resurrect John Wooden and he can't make, Joel Embiid <laughs> and Ben Simmons work together. Like it, right. it simply may not work. And we may come out of this in a year and say, yeah, well, it wasn't so much Brett Brown as there's just not an answer there, but it's too hard to get elite talent in the NBA. It's just too hard to split them up right now until you try somebody <sighs> else. As much as I've See, got questions. And I think the other yeah. question I've got for, for Elton brand becomes is this the optimal rotation around them? Um, you know, they're long, they're athletic. They should defend probably better than they do. But even if you bring in somebody who gets the defense cranking, do you have enough shooting for two, since your two best players kind of have to attack near the, you know, Joel can space the floor, but that's not where you want him working. Um, no. So it's, it's, 
roster construction is a legitimate question for uh, the Sixers and, and whoever they bring in as the next coach and whatever direction they're going to go and how they're going to play. So they have to have a real talk about how they're going to make this whole thing fit. And I know there are coaches who are convinced that they, I have watched, and I'm not going to drop a name, but I'm just going to say I've watched a coach draw up plays on a cocktail napkin saying, this is how I would do it. Um, uh, but I don't know. Ultimately, I don't. I, I watched that and thought, "Wow, that's some 1990s basketball right there." I don't know if it really would work in today's world. So, but that's the roster. Yeah. I think that's part of the problem with the Sixers. Yes, is like we were it's we a, being Philadelphia, we were being sold on. Uh, it's it's playoff basketball. It's okay if we struggle in the regular season. So it's okay if you get your ass kicked for 82 games, yeah. and then you're just going to be able to turn it on, <laughs> like in the in the yeah. playoffs. It's just. It's just such a wonky uh, roster, and that's easy to say with hindsight. Yeah, it's also like the value of shooting doesn't suddenly go away. Some of the stuff, like you just – I think the team misses what J.J. Redick brought um, in some ways and certain other guys. And and look, there's – J.J. is a tough example because there's a lot of – you know, there's a, there's 29 other teams that could also use J.J. Like there isn't a team out there that would not be better with J.J. Redick. (laughs) on the sure. roster and in, and in the locker room. But, um, and there he's brought real, I think he's brought real value to new Orleans, even though they, you know, they struggled for parts of the year and that didn't come together the way they wanted because Zion was out. Um, that's still a, you know, like there's not a team that couldn't use a guy like that. That said, they've just, they're going to have to, I don't, I think in hockey, you get some more of that where it's suddenly like the game is really different in the postseason. The game in the NBA is yeah. different in the postseason, and it, especially at the highest levels, it really does ultimately the best defensive teams take away what you want to do. And you've got to have, you know, the Warriors were, Steve Kerr was honest about this. They needed Kevin Durant for those last titles because as great as Steph Curry, like they took away, you can take away stuff and I can take away the back cuts and I can make Utah not look as good. And I need Donovan Mitchell to go create and I better have a second guy. Well, the, the Warriors always had Kevin Durant as the bailout. Once, I mean, Curry could do some of that, but there's he's not as good as a last-second bailout as Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant can get to that mid-range shot, knock it down. Kawhi Leonard can get to that mid-range. LeBron can get to that mid-range. I, do the Sixers have that guy? Do they have enough spacing around them? I've got real roster questions about them, but I think at this point it, they need a new coach in there shake things up and then see if it works. And if it doesn't, then, then you've got some bigger picture questions to deal with. Kurt, if you're the general manager of the Philadelphia 76ers, what, what's your first move? Well, I've, I'm, I'm going to have to buy some new suits. I suddenly got like 10 inches taller. Um, I, um, <laughs> if I'm the, uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I love it. Elton Brand's a good guy. Like he's a good guy, but people forget, man, he's a big bruising NBA player. He is not to, he's, he he's not was, a, he's yeah. not a tiny human being. Uh, no, you don't want to mess um, with him. Get on his bad um, side. Honestly, I would, again, I just think it's, I would rework the roster to get more shooting. I would bring in a coach that could bring in more spacing and I thought could make this whole thing work. And I'd roll the dice. I just, again, it's too hard to get elite talent. Um, and if you trade Ben or Joel or whichever direction you would go with that, you're not going to get equal value back. You're just not if you and so yeah i'm with you with that but let me just really put you in a corner if you have to trade 
if uh, you had to trade Embiid or Simmons, which one do you trade? Because uh, this is something we've talked about. Listen, Ben Simmons is number one in the NBA uh, yeah. on assists on three-point shots. That stat blows my mind. And then you have Embiid who's yeah. you know, getting the ball with two minutes left in the All-Star game with the top nine players in the world. So it's like, who do you build I, around? The, and I would go with Ben Simmons, and I think it's more about health and longevity for me than it is like mm. I not that Ben's not had his share of you know but but at the end of the day am I trusting that I can four four years from now build around Joel? Like this is I mean this is sort of it's a know, fair and, question. It, where I think I can with Ben and this was sort of the deal the Lakers were dealing with in 2004 where it became Shaq and Kobe loggerheads. And they're like, well dude we're building around Kobe. He's younger He's better, you know, he takes better care of his body. And not that Joel does like in this case, it's different, but like, listen, you can make a case. Joel doesn't, he came out and said he's pounding, pounding down four Chick-fil-A sandwiches a day. I mean, he, he reportedly changed those diet habits, hey, but it's, it's, it's a fair, it criticism. is, but the, the number of guys who come into the league and think they can get like, just eat like, hey man, like you and me and everybody listening when we were 21, pretty much eat whatever yeah. we wanted and it was fine. And our life doesn't really work that way anymore. No. And, <laughs> um, and especially, I think it hits athletes younger. I mean, it, it, Andrew Bynum, when he first joined the Lakers, used to stop on the way home from practice and get like $20 worth of McDonald's and sit and play video games and eat McDonald's <laughs> for dinner every night. And they're like, Dude, you can't. all right. Let's, let's start with yeah, we can't. We got to work on your diet, man. This is not going to help you. And you know, when it was time to get paid, he got serious. For I should, I should, I exactly. should be. Uh, to be fair to Andrew Bynum, Andrew Bynum is a nah. You don't have to be fair Andrew, to Andrew Bynum. It's Andrew, okay. uh, that's true. I know you've got some affiliation. <laughs> when Andrew Bynum was interested yeah. in basketball, he was very good at it. He's just a guy who had a lot of interests beside basketball. And he like built his own computers. He's traveled through Europe. He's an incredibly smart guy. Basketball took up a fraction of his interest level. And when he was focused on it, he actually, look, he was a good player for stretches, but that's. He was a big piece to that yeah, title yeah, that uh, one year. It was a 2010 yeah, probably. He, yeah. he could do a lot. It's just his focus. He This happens more with bigs than smalls. Um, because there's just more guys, you know, the, the curve, the, to use the term, the curve really gets small at that bottom end of guys who are six ten and above an athletic, like it's, that's just, that's a small portion of the population. And if you're that guy, you can go a long way without loving the game all the time. And some guys, some bigs do, but not all of them. There's more bigs who play the game because, and, and play in Europe or play wherever, get paid professionally because they're six ten and athletic and can, you know, do these things as opposed to like that same level of passion. If you're six, three and you're, you're nowhere. Right. Yeah. It's just the reality. Not every NBA or professional player has that, you know, Kobe no, mentality. No. That's not, that's not something that's overblown. Uh, so I, I have two more here for Kurt Heal and NBC sports. Um, follow his podcast, subscribe pro basketball talk. So, I want to get to this one for you, and this one's maybe challenging as well. And we've touched around, you know, danced around this topic uh, throughout the episode. But how does the pandemic and the, you know, postponement of the season impact organizations' decisions? So the Sixers, 
Like, do they fire Brett now because of all this? Do they have to keep him now because of all this and brand? Like, how is their decisions now maybe tie their hands behind their backs? I think there are teams that are not going to make moves, but not many. Look, this was going to be Brett Brown wasn't alone. I would say, and it depends on who you talk to. Remember, we've already had Kenny Atkinson and some other moves out there. Um, you know, um, a couple of teams have already made coaching moves. Um, the Knicks, basically everybody in New York. Yeah. Um, like, <laughs> but I mean, Standard. a bunch of teams have made moves already, but there were going to be another somewhere between six and 10, probably openings this summer. Um, mm. A couple of those might fade now. A couple of those might be like, well, look, we didn't really get a chance to see. Let's see. But I don't think Philly's one of them. I know it's like it didn't live up to expectations in the regular season. They're, they're, nobody's nobody's firing a coach right now. Nobody's doing it. It, it would be, by the way, really bad form. Like if, to, yeah, that'd be some bad yeah, PR. So, <laughs> you know, uh, hunting for a potential future front office exec is one thing, but, you know, uh, like the, the, like the uh, Bulls are doing. I don't, you know, hey, doing some interviews, that's good. But hunting for a coach right now is verboten. But those, when the gloves come off on that, when we get into whatever is going to be the offseason, whenever that comes, and that's like they still have to get in a draft. They still have to get in a full, you know, it's it going to have to get in an offseason yeah, with a summer and league. All of those and, things, well, I don't know. There probably won't be a right. summer league because. A lot of just quick, quick aside to drag this podcast out longer. A lot of what goes, no, a lot of what goes on at summer league. There's 30 teams there. There's probably an average one to two guys, two guys a team. Maybe they get NBA contracts or two way contracts. Like there's summer league's not deep with NBA talent. There's two to three guys a team that maybe make the, the team. A couple other guys that get camp invites and make their G League team. More than half of the guys there play in Europe or play. Over or China or you know Turkey or wherever, like they go overseas. Yeah. Those guys aren't going to be there. <laughs> you can't do you can't do summer league in the fall and have those guys play because they're already in those other leagues. So, um, it would be a yeah. I I, I don't think we're going to see summer league this year. But and now I got totally off track with what I was saying. No, you didn't because that's all part of the question, really, Kurt. Because it's how does. This oh yeah, season being delayed and then getting pushed back like impact. All I think the I think that some like... teams are going to do a well. We didn't really get to see what it looks like, so we're not going to make any, any crazy, crazy decisions. decisions. Gonna... Um, but but yeah. other ones will. It, there's but there's big ones. Let me know. Hey, if you're Giannis, and you now, whenever, whenever the new July first is comes, and they put a supermax in front of you. Was that enough hmm. to sign it, or do you want to wait a year? I still ultimately. By the way, yeah. I ultimately think he signs it. I, I, I ultimately. I don't know, I, man. He's coming out and talking about playing with his other four uh, brothers. In yeah, LA. yeah, yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I, I can give you two hundred and fifty-six million reasons, give or take, that I think he ultimately signs that deal, um, even if he's. It's fair. Um, and they're in a contending spot. They built a team around. Him. I think in the look, maybe in two or three years, he's three years or something. He's like, yeah, you know what. Get me out, or maybe he puts opt-ins into it, a kind of all a LeBron. But I'd be, I. Yep. That's not that he's hurting for money, but that's my grandkids' grandkids don't have to work kind of money. Um, it's, yeah, it's, it's tough, tough to, to walk away down. from. But I think there's some teams that are going to want to see it again. 
I don't know that Philly's one of them, by the way. I still think, like I said, I still think that they they saw enough. Yeah. Well, let's see. Let's see what happens here. Uh, Kurt Heelan, uh, kind enough to join me here on The Fix. And one more here to let you go. I could talk to you forever, by the way, but I just feel bad uh, that we're, we're going this late. The NBA is trying to figure out a horse competition. Yeah. Now, is that, is that like cool and creative and nice in a time where we don't have anything, or is that going to be a uh, you know, failure? I, I'll watch. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> so that's kind of where I'm, I think yeah. I'm with a lot of people. I'm like, yeah, could be, could be hit, could be missed, kind of be a little weird, but why not? Right. What, else, what yeah. else have I got to do? Um, so yeah, no, I, why not? I, I, I know NASCAR has had surprising success with the kind of iRacing thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. The esports yeah. and the sports simulations. Um, yeah. I talked about that in the last episode. Yeah. yeah. The, the NASCAR's had some surprising success with that. I don't know. You know, we're just starting the NBA players tournament. We'll see how, see how that plays out. But, um, Hey, at this point, Creative, inventive, you know, look, I'm not going to start streaming soccer from Kazakhstan or whoever's still like, there's a couple of countries still playing. Like, I'm not, I'm not that. And I like so- that. Desperate. And I like soccer. Like, I'm actually a soccer fan. I follow the Premier League and all that. Like, nope, I'm good. Like, I'm, not, I'm not going there. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I think Nicaragua was playing. There's a handful of countries still playing. I'm like, nah, I'm good. I'll, I'll wait. So I think that at this point, try a horse tournament. Let's see what it looks like. It might be fun. Like if you put Zion in a horse tournament, like how are you going to like that's just got potential to be a blast. So we'll see. Yeah. Now, listen, at the end of the day, we have nothing. Yeah. So the f- and it's just a once again, I'm not saying they're doing it for PR, but it is a nice PR move saying we know people out there have nothing to watch. We're, we are trying yeah. to get you something. So I'm sure that will go over well because ESPN's breaking records right now showing classics like they might have to bring back the espn classics uh, <laughs> station here yeah it's they're they're breaking tv uh ratings records left and right so uh kurt i appreciate your time man uh you know go enjoy the rest of your night stay safe and i'm sure i'll be talking to you oh yeah hopefully sooner than later yeah, i hope we're and yeah please and please uh plug everything you got i'm not on. look just come to nbc sports we're gonna have stuff obviously the podcasts are still going and i'm trying to but i think the fun thing we're doing the next two weeks like i said we're starting our our end of year awards like who's rookie of the year we start with on monday but it rolls through for two weeks through mvp obviously and there's some really tough ones out there defensive on the downside really hard to pick a second team all rookie team this was not a good rookie year man we I mean, picking those second no. five i'm like uh um <laughs> on the on the flip side of that i think it's the surprisingly tough one this year most improved player is hard and I'm there's a lot of good yeah, candidates. And, and I got, so I don't know quite where I haven't settled on this yet. I've got a little time to, I'm still thinking about it, but Luca's going to end up on my ballot. Like it's just, it's just a wild year. Man, Luca could be most improved. You have Siakam, you have Van Vliet. Yeah. Right. Uh, I mean, the Bam Abadio, uh, and, Bam, and, and yeah. kind of people sleep on this. And I don't, he's not, he's going to get votes. I don't know if it went. Devonte Graham had this thing early in the season. You can't totally count him out. I mean, Talk about a guy who was nowhere and is suddenly the best player on a team down in Charlotte. Um, he kind of hit a wall, but there's a lot of guys who just made leaps this year. Like you said, that the, the Pascal's got to be on that list. And, but that 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 leap from all rookie good to franchise cornerstone, top five MVP voting kind of leap that Luca made. Man, it was 
that guy is that guy Scary. is special. He certainly is. Follow him on Twitter at Basketball Talk. Make sure to subscribe to his podcast, Pro Basketball Talk, available uh, Apple, all the yeah. other uh, platforms you get your podcast. So, Kurt, I appreciate your hey, time, man. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Good stuff from Kurt Heelan, as always, from NBCSports.com, longtime NBA writer, managing editor for NBCSports.com. Interesting conversation. We'll see if the NBA is able to get back up and running. Uh, but the fix is and will continue to be up and running. So like I said, to start the show, please subscribe, rate, leave a review. I'm available on Spotify. I'm available on Google Podcasts, Anchor multiple different platforms. Apple, not yet, but it takes a while with Apple. I should be up and running with Apple here, hopefully by the end of this week, uh, as I finish the recording here on April 5th, Sunday night. So thank you everyone again to listening to another episode of The Fix. I am your host, Ryan Rothstein. Another episode will be dropping soon. Peace.